Chapter Twelve of the Pony Rider Boys and the Alkali. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Pony Rider Boys and the Alkali by Frank G. Payton. Chapter Twelve, Running Down the Trail. "'Thank goodness we're in the foothills,' sighed Tad, when three days later they came to a halt at the base of the San Antonio Range, far down on the Nevada desert. "'Yes, it's a relief to see some real rocks once more,' agreed Walter. "'Chunky, look out. You don't step into any more ice water. You'll miss the horse hunt if you do.' "'Oh, no danger of that up here,' laughed the guide. Behind him lay the desert maze. To the right and left, mountain ranges, high plateau, mesas and buttes, giant yucca trees, short spreading pinions, and spindly cedars clothed the higher peaks of the San Antonio Range. Trees, too, were scattered about in the foothills, and though they gave little shade, it was a relief to every sense of the pony riders to feel the hills and trees about them. There, with what little shade they could get, the lads made camp. As yet they had found no water, though Parry said there would be springs and plenty further up in the mountains. The bag still held enough to last them until the following day, so no effort was made to locate fresh water that afternoon. Stacy had thrown himself down under one of the yucca trees, but the late afternoon sun filtered through the branches, making his face look red and heated. "'You don't seem to be getting much shade from that tree,' laughed the guide. "'About as much as I would get from a barbed-wire fence,' frowned Stacy. "'What do you know about barbed-wire fences?' demanded Ned. "'Me? Know all about them. One night I had a falling out with one, when I was taking a shortcut across the fields to get home.' "'How about the apples? Did you get them?' asked Tad. "'Apples? What do you know about it?' Were you there, too? A laugh greeted the fat boy's reply. Come, come, young men, are you going to make camp? urged the professor. Don't know if we're going to remain here tonight, replied Walter. Of course we're going to make camp. If that's the case, it'll be a good time to shake the alkali dust out of our belongings, and from ourselves. I haven't got any dust, piped Stacy. I, uh, I had a hot bath. "'Are we anywhere near the horse-hunters, Mr. Parry?' inquired Tad, as the boys began unpacking the burrows, some devoting their attention to the kitchen outfit, the rest spreading the canvases on the ground, preparing to erect the tents. "'They're supposed to be further up the range, and they'll be down this way tomorrow, probably, to pick us up.' They were not certain where they would make their permanent camp. Stevens said, "'All depends upon where the wild horses are grazing.' "'I don't see any wild horses, nor any other wild thing,' objected Ned. The guide dropped the ridge pole that he was about to carry to the place where the cook tent had been laid out ready to be raised. "'Come with me,' he said, taking Ned by the arm and leading him to the left of the camping place. "'Do you see that?' "'What? Use your eyes. If you're going to be a plainsman, you'll have to depend on your sense of sight. Take the desert, for instance.' It's a desert maze if you are unable to read its signs. 
no maze at all if you do what is it you're going to show ned asked the rest of the boys who had followed them out see if you can tell master tad but master tad had already been using his eyes he nodded as he caught the guide's eye there's been a bunch of unshod ponies along here if that's what you mean he said how do you know demanded stacy i saw their tracks there saw them the minute i got over here maybe that's the crowd that called at our camp the other day suggested walter the guide shook his head there was no one on these horses said tad right emphasized the guide that's observation young man you will notice by examining these hoof prints carefully that the weight of the animal is thrown more on the toe how did you know that cut in stacy because the toe sinks into the soil more than it would if the animal were loaded and the latter event the heels would dig deeper now if you will follow along a little further i may be able to show you the hoof prints of the leader of the band of wild horses for that is what they are wild horses marveled the boys wish we could see them said tad i'll wager they have seen us already where they surely are in this neighborhood replied parry but a wild horse is as sharp as a fox the herd has been down in the foothills and by the hoof prints you will observe that they have returned to the mountain fastness perhaps they saw us coming suggested tad more than likely agreed the guide they were in a hurry and moving rapidly there's the leader's trail look carefully and you will see where he leaped up to this little butte here reaching it he turned about and took a quick comprehensive look at the desert and at us added stacy yes i think so come up here you'll see this little ridge gave him a very good view of the desert maze see if you can tell how many wild horses there were in the bunch suggested tom perry instantly the boys went down on all fours crawling along the trail seeking to read the story that it told well how many queried the guide after they had finished their inspection fifty shouted stacy forty-five answered ned and walter at the same time what do you say master tad i'm afraid i must have missed some then i only make out twenty-one old ones and a colt i take it the old mare was with the colt but the prints show that the little animal was hugging the other closely was tad's decision very good very good nodded parry there were twenty-two you didn't get the trailer probably an old mare she traveled along off to the right yonder a little but i should like to know how you made fifty master stacy twinkled the guide count em answered the fat boy show me said the guide stacy did so going over the hoof prints carefully pointing to them with his index finger as he did so the guide making mental calculations at the same time and that makes fifty fifty fifty-four this time it's more of them than i thought parry laughed softly i'm afraid you'd make a poor indian young man you not only have counted the hoof prints but you have counted the footmarks of yourself and your companions as well master tad let me see if you can run the trail up the mountainside a little way it'll be good practice i want you boys to be able to follow a trail as keenly as the best of them before you have finished this trip you never know when it's going to be useful 
when it's going to get you out of serious difficulties, even to the extent of saving your lives. Tad was off in a trot, stooping well over, with eyes fixed on the footmarks. Ah, Tad could hunt a jackrabbit without a dog, couldn't he? questioned Stacy innocently. His companions laughed. Is that a joke? asked Ned. If it is, I'll cry. Your jokes would make a Texas deer weep. Tad was picking his way up the rough mountainside, now losing the trail, then picking it up again. The marks left by the wild horses were almost indistinguishable after the animals had reached the rocks. But here and there, a broken twig told the lad they had passed that way. Once he appeared to leave the trail, moving sharply to the right, where on a shelving ridge he straightened up and looked down into the valley. Tom Parry nodded encouragingly. Know what you found? asked the guide. Yes, this is where the leader came to make another observation, answered Tad. That's right. He's a plainsman already, boy. Go on, run the trail up to the top of the first ridge. It will not be a bad idea for us to know which way they've gone. If the hunters don't show up by tomorrow, we can take a little run after the herd on our own hook. Tad obeyed gladly. Every sense was on the alert. The rest of the boys were all impatient to take part in the hunt, but the guide said no. He feared that if all were to start up the mountainside, their enthusiasm might lead them too far from camp, resulting in their losing their way. He knew how tricky the trail of a band of wild horses was, the clever animals leaving no ruse untried that would tend to mix up and lose their pursuers. Tad's figure was growing smaller as he ascended higher and higher. "'You don't mean to say that horses climbed up the way he's going?' questioned Walter incredulously. "'That's the way they went, my boy. They're regular goats when it comes to mountain climbing. They'll go where a man could not, off times.' Tad crept cautiously on, now finding little to guide him. Save his own instinct, he finally disappeared behind the rocks and trees of the low-lying range. The lad was moving almost noiselessly now. A sound a short distance beyond him caused him to prick up his ears sharply. "'I believe I'm near them,' he breathed, as he glanced about. "'Why did I not think to bring my rope?' It was just as well for his own well-being that he had not brought along that part of his saddle equipment. He was following the trail with the skill of a trained mountaineer. An Indian himself could not have done it better. Perhaps the guide understood, better than did Tad himself, why he had started the lad on the trail. For a quiet smile hung about the lips of Tom Parry. All at once his twinkling eyes lit up with a new expression. "'Look! Look!' gasped Walter. "'Where? Where?' demanded Ned. Walter pointed to a pyramid-shaped rock far above their heads. At first they could scarcely believe their senses. There, poised in the air, feet doubled into a bunch, stood a splendid specimen of horse-flesh, resting, it seemed, fairly on the sharp point of the rock, gazing down into and across a valley. The white stallion breathed the lads in all the same breath. 
the magnificent animal was creamy white its head was held high nostrils descended as if to catch the scent of those for whom it was looking beneath the rays of the low-lying sun its coat glistened and shone with a luster that no brush or comb could bring to it the lad gazed upon the beautiful statue almost in awe they were standing quiet close up under the shadow of the mountain at that moment why doesn't he run whispered walter do you think he sees us asked ned no stand perfectly still why doesn't he all he would have to do is look down questioned stacy he scents us he knows we are somewhere near but if you observe him closely you will notice that he is looking at the camp he sees the professor moving about explained parry do do you think we catch him asked ned eagerly the most skillful men in this part of the country have been trying to do that very thing for the last five years my boy answered the guide in a low tone no you couldn't catch him he's the finest animal to be found in the entire nevada desert district wouldn't mind owning him myself and meantime tad had been creeping nearer and nearer he soon discovered that the leader of the band had swerved to the left he concluded to follow to see where the solitary animal had gone to but so quietly did the lad move that the stallion neither heard nor scented him all at once the wonderful sight unfolded before the eyes of tad butler he flattened himself on the ground within thirty yards of the splendid animal suddenly the stallion whirled tad rose to his feet two stood facing each other tad with his head thrust forward the stallion with his nostrils held high in the air oh my rope my rope breathed the boy if i had my rope end of chapter 12 recording by kenneth sergeant gagan